Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. I did a little bit of traveling over the weekend, so I'm behind on some of the news write-ups. So if I missed anything this week, let me know in the comments, but most likely it's just in the midst of being written now, and I didn't have time to finish before this went live. But huge thank you to Smoke Monster and Ronnie for stepping up and writing articles while I was gone. But I got some really cool footage of stuff while I was away, and uh, hopefully everything that I shot will be out in two separate videos within the next week. So uh, sorry for being vague about it. I just, everything is out there on the internet now. People post things, you know, every step of the way, and there's almost nothing gets to be a surprise anymore. So uh, I'm sure many of you could guess what it is that I'm about to talk about, but I'm excited anyway, so I'm just not going to tell anybody until next week. Uh, also, for any video files watching this, sorry for people listening audio only, I finally figured out what this shit is. So, uh, my friend Tech suggested that it was probably a bad cable, so I tried that, and he wasn't completely wrong. Uh, it wasn't until the Weave Duel video I put up that it was Fudo who suggested, hey, maybe some of your dongles are bad. So I got some Amazon Basics HDMI to DVI dongles, and I was using just HDMI cables in this, and you know I couldn't figure out uh, how to how to recreate it, how to force it to happen. And even as I'm talking, the, the noise is getting less, and probably will kick back in. Uh, and I ended up just on a whim, on Fuda's suggestion, getting one of these uh, DVI to mini HDMI cables for my camera. And I hadn't seen any of that interference since. And I kept meaning to uh, I kept meaning to test it and put it back the way it was. When this broke, I think this connector on the small side broke. So I guess this cable was a piece of junk. But at the very least, now we all get to know what the problem was. So most people watching are probably just like, shut up and get to the news, which is fair. Sorry. But uh, anybody who's working on any kind of video capture stuff or anything needs to avoid these little dongles at all costs. And I gotta be honest, if you, if you asked me a few months ago if a one-inch piece of metal with all pins uh, populated could possibly do something like this, uh, I would have thought most likely not, but apparently it is. So the four-pack I bought of this is junk, and they all gotta go to the garbage, and uh, you guys will have to deal with one more week of flickery video because this thing broke, and I gotta find another one. So I think this is the mini-USB, not whatever the smaller one is. Um, I need to buy another one of these to DVI 10-foot cable that's uh, actually going to last more than a month and a half. So I thought that was pretty neat. I thought a lot of people that had commented about it might want to know, because uh, the people that commented didn't do it in a complainy way. They did it like, hey, what is that? You know, Maybe we could help. Maybe we could figure this out. So hey, you know, 
Uh, thank you very much to everybody who tried to suggest things. Thanks to Tech and Fooder. Um, and now we finally solved it. I just got to buy another cable so it stops doing it. <laughs> First up, last week the Mr. Platform got a Famicom Disk System Core, which is really cool because a lot of those games have audio that's way better than the U.S. cartridges that we heard. The two ones, for me personally at least, that really stand out are Zelda and Metroid. And while it's not as huge of a difference as, like, the MSU audio for Super Nintendo, it's still something that any major fan of those games would definitely enjoy. So it's just one more reason that uh, if you're into tinkering, now's the time to get the Mr. Platform, because it's just constantly evolving. And while things aren't perfectly polished yet, they're, they're getting there. So thanks very much to Risha, uh, Risha, Risha? Sorry, uh, for, um, you know, for working on this, and I'm looking forward to see what comes next with this thing. The FPGA-based Amiga, called The Vampire, was just shown booting up for the first time, and this is a completely standalone, all-in-one all FPGA-based Amiga, and I guess the plan is by probably sometime next year for the company to release these boards for sale so that people can buy their own brand new Amiga, essentially. So I'm happy to see a lot more of these FPGA consoles come about. I just hope that people take accuracy, uh, accuracy as seriously as, uh, you know, the Kevtrices of the world, because that's kind of the whole point of doing this over software. You know, there's so many amazing software emulators out there, and being able to, to have a cycle-accurate version, as close as realistically possible, allows for playing off original cartridges, no lag, and all that wonderful stuff. So, uh, Amiga fans looking for an FPGA-based replacement might be in luck next year. Smoke Monster posted a very good write-up that explains what exactly you need to run a Mister, and he really clarified the fact that you don't need an I.O. board in order to, uh, to take advantage of the cores, you really only need that at the moment if you're looking for analog output. Now, there's some other advantages to that, but the whole point of this post is that if you just buy the DE10 Nano, uh, a fan it, and is definitely suggested, so a 3D printed fan mount is a good idea, and an SD RAM board, you could have access to pretty much everything you need, and at the moment, the only thing you'd really be missing is analog video output. Um, I think that's going to change in the future when the I.O. boards start to include things like controller adapters and all that. So uh, I think that fact alone makes this post even more relevant. So if you were looking to, to get into any kind of mister testing and you really just, you know, you didn't want to wait for an I.O. board or you didn't know what to get, you could totally just pick one up now and start working on one, especially if you're a developer who's looking to work on one but didn't have the access to the I.O. stuff. Um, you could still pick one of these up and get going without having to worry. So thanks to Smoke Monster for clarifying that for all of us and for continuing to fly the flag. Uh, I'm really glad that this is getting more, um, more out in the open for people to work on. I recently posted an interview with Patrick Gravier, a.k.a. Savon Pat, the Sony BVM technician that's been helping us out for all these years. And it was awesome meeting him in person. He's a super nice guy, had a million great stories to tell, had a very cool lab. And uh, I'm really happy that I got the opportunity to fly out there and interview him. Uh, he requested that it be audio only. So for all the people that keep complaining, I mean... So, you know, um, the guy was nice enough to invite me in and allow me to do an interview. I'm not going to push it. That's not who I am. So uh, I just, I didn't bust his chops about it. Uh, and I had an absolute great time talking to him. 
I think anybody that tinkers with these things or really just loves hearing some behind-the-scenes tech stories would definitely like it. Um, it is audio only, so for people that prefer to listen on uh, YouTube, I put some kind of neat uh, CRT interference in the background and have a, a scrolling logo for to prevent burn-in. But I imagine that many people will be listening to this uh, audio only just to make it easier. So all of those links, of course, are there as well, including just the direct download link. So even if you don't have a podcast app. In fact, this podcast and every other interview that I do, for people that don't know, uh, you could... You don't need an iTunes or uh, Google Play subscription. If you usually watch this on YouTube, but you just want to catch one audio only, you could just stream the MP3 directly. So I figured now was a good time to remind everybody. But awesome interview. Very happy I got to meet him in person. And maybe someday I'll be able to go back and do it all again. Raisha has just implemented Firebrand X's custom nest palettes into the Mr. Core which I think is absolutely awesome. And that's something I was missing when I was playing around with it. Um, for people that aren't really aware of what this is, the Nintendo console didn't generate colors in the RGB spectrum. They generated them in composite video. So there's really no guarantee that you can get a perfectly accurate color representation. So over the years, certain people have done their best guess as to what the RGB color range would be. And... Um, a lot of people even tried to reference the Nintendo RGB chips that were in the PlayChoice 10 arcade machines, but those were really uh, tweaked specific to the game and don't work well for others. I have pictures on the site for people that want to see comparisons and stuff, but things like uh, Contra I thought looked great with the PlayChoice 10 color palette, but Zelda I thought looked awful. But the thing to remember is that all of these are really just a preference, um, for me personally, my top three favorites that I've been using as much as I can uh, whenever I have choices available are Firebrand X's, uh, the, Sony, the Sony color palette, which I think accentuates the blues a little more, and the Naked Arthur palette. But there's a long list of choices out there, so hopefully we can have um, uh, some kind of support where maybe we just drop a folder in. Uh, you know, on the mister and be able to dump in all the palettes, just kind of like on the Analog NT Mini. So thanks very much to Raisha for all this amazing work, and anybody that has a mister, definitely update, because now you have even better color palette choices. Reviews are starting to come in of the Sony PlayStation Classic Mini console, and I was really looking forward to learning how they made this thing, because did they use some kind of emulation technology custom from Sony? Did they take the original PS1 emulator that they used in the PS3 and 4? Was that tweaked at all? Do you have any cool options? And the answer is nope. They used the PCSX emulator, which means with a Raspberry Pi, you could pretty much have the exact same thing with no enhancements whatsoever. Uh, so, you know, it... It just adds insult to injury with these things. This really is just a cheesy, shitty cash grab to get people to buy these things. So, uh, I don't know. The, you know, the other side of this too, though, and I think maybe this is the side that bothers me more, is I know a few people who want to play original PlayStation 1 games, and, you know, maybe something like this is the easiest option. Maybe they don't own a PlayStation 3 or 4, and, you know, they don't have their PS1 anymore, this might still be a good option just because it's one thing to buy with no setup that you plug in. And that, that pisses me off even more than anything because they know that they're going to make sales off of this. They know they're going to get people for nostalgia or for ease of use. And it sucks because they couldn't have just 
put the technology that they've already worked on. It's not like they'd have to, it's not like they've never written a PS1 emulator before. They have it on the PS3 and 4, and 2, technically. So, I don't know. This is very disappointing, and I, I, uh, I know a lot of people that canceled their pre-order for this, and uh, I'm glad I didn't pre-order mine, but that's disappointing. Hyperkin just announced a wireless N64 controller that was modeled off of the Hori Minipad. And while I'm always a little skeptical of these retro companies and their new products, this does seem to have some neat features. It's Bluetooth based, so who knows how much lag this is going to introduce. But it does have things like the ability to back up uh, N64 memory card saves to a micro SD card, which is kind of neat. So, um, you know, I, I am still a huge fan of wireless controllers, and even if this does have lag, as long as it works, I could, there's a lot of situations where this would be a, a perfect thing to use. So I'm trying to keep an open mind. Um, the release date is quarter one of 2019, whatever, whatever that might mean. Sometimes that might mean January, sometimes that might mean spring. But uh, either way, it should be pretty interesting, and I hope... Uh, maybe we can get Mark from My Life in Gaming to do a review. I think I think they're a little above that. I think they're a little above, you know, quick third-party controller reviews. But I know Mark loves the N64, and I, you know, it's not my favorite console, so I'm the wrong person to review this. But hope we get a trusted source reviewing it. And let's face it, I just I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> As promised, Furtech released the schematics for his Virtual Tap product. So now anybody that wants to make one can manufacture their own. He'll still be taking orders for the current batch through the end of December, and then after that it'll be up to other people if they want to make them. Uh, I gotta say, uh, not just because I'm a fan of Furtex work, but in all honesty, I'd love to see stuff like this. I think everybody wins in this scenario. Furtech does a ton of research and development, makes a very cool product, sells it, um, and doing this really not only does it hopefully get him some money back for all of his hard work, but you know you also now kind of justify spending the money on a few different board revisions for testing. Um, you know that's a big thing for open source products is if you're making these yourself, do you really want to spend a couple hundred dollars on buying prototypes then just to release it? Many people do. Many people are very happy to donate. But I think stuff like this is really the way many of us should start to approach open source product projects because this way he gets to make them, test it, buy however many revisions he needs, hopefully make some money on the ones that he sold. Uh, and now, you know, when he's done selling them, he just releases it for everybody else to have. I think this is absolutely killer and should be a blueprint for the way a lot of us make open source products. Now, of course, I'm not trying to say every product should be open source. I'm just saying, if you have the foresight to know that you're not going to want to make and support something forever, do it this way, because this is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, if you're an enterprising company out looking to make boards, uh, I highly recommend that uh, you look into this. But, you know, give them till the end of December, please. <laughs> it was nice enough to donate the schematics to the community so we could make our own. So, you know, nobody make a batch of 1,000 and undercut them. Let's give them some time to sell those off. But... Thank you very much to Furtech. I can't wait to get mine and start testing. Um, I already have, uh, have crews prepared and ready to help me take apart my virtual boy and do this with me. So uh, a review will definitely come as soon as I get it. Pre-orders for Woozle's Game Boy Advance Consolizer are now open on the GameTech website in the form of a pre-order lottery. So let me explain what this is because uh, I think it was a little confusing when I first heard it and then kind of was like, oh, that makes sense. 
Um, so in order to get in the lottery, you need to place a $0 order for the kit. So no money is being exchanged now. You're not putting your credit card number in. You're basically buying into a drawing for the lottery. Everybody that puts their $0 order in will be on a list of people that could buy this eventually. But on November 26th, there will be 100 people randomly drawn from the pre-order list. So these first hundred are just, you know, you could have uh, put the order in the day that went live. You could put it in right now. You could put it in on the 25th. Um, it doesn't matter. They're going to be randomly drawn and guaranteed the first batch. Anybody who's still on that list who hasn't gotten another first batch will just be on the, you know, first in line for the second batch. So uh, I'm not sure if this is going to be, a, uh, you know, a super huge success, but I think it was worth Jason trying it this way because uh, I remember when a couple of times when he put up orders for Ultra HDMI or for High Def NES that it crashed his site. So um, I think this is a better, uh, at the very least, this is worth a try. And by doing it this way, it is a little confusing because people don't don't understand the whole, you know, buy for zero but you could back out at any time it's not like you're locked into anything and it did prevent people from bum rushing the website and crashing it which i think is good so um the only other thing is uh if you are the first hundred to be drawn you have two days to respond and pay or your uh, spot in line will be dropped to the second shipment so you don't get kicked out permanently it's just you know whatever so hopefully you're not on vacation on november 26th hopefully you'll be uh you know watching your email come in and see if you're one of the ones to have your number drawn in the lottery but either way um you know i think this product is killer uh, i can't wait to talk more about it and uh anybody that's a big fan of game boy advance and wants to play in 720p on a flat screen should at least be interested in this and see if it's the best solution for them Voltar just added two new boards for sale on his website. The first is a PC Engine and TurboGrafx RGB bypass board. That's an updated version of his previous one. And if you already have the previous board installed and everything's working fine, don't worry, this, uh, you know, this doesn't apply to you. But this board takes all of the research that he did for the Terra Onion SSD S3 fix and all the things that he learned about kind of the way the signal is generated and how you can make it more compatible with maybe less chance of interference, all of that is implemented into an even smaller package. So once again, if you already have one installed, you know, this is not a uninstall it and, uh, you know, install this one instead. This is definitely for people that maybe have been waiting on it or maybe had an older mod installed that uh, maybe a 7.3.14 mod that was looking to upgrade to a better one. So, uh, you know, it's pretty cool that he was able to take all those tremendous hours of research that got wasted when Terra Onion didn't pay him and stopped returning his emails. The story just keeps getting weirder, by the way. But uh, more on that in another video, I guess. But rather than make all of his wasted hours a complete loss, he I'm glad to see that he turned it into a, an updated board and people could squeeze a little bit more performance and compatibility out of their TurboGrafx and PC Engine consoles. Also, he released the Sega RGB Bypass boards for sale. These are the same ones that he released the board design for free earlier this year. And uh, I think this is awesome because the fact is, a lot of us just don't have the time or ability to make these boards. 
Uh, I assembled one, and it was it was hard. That 7374 chip is not easy to solder to unless you really know what you're doing. And, you know, with some flux and, you know, some patience, you could definitely get it done. But the fact is, some of us just want to order some boards and install them. So uh, I'll take a little bit of credit for this and that I was uh, verbally harassing them for a while now to just sell this stuff. Because it's my opinion that it doesn't really matter if it's open source. Sometimes people just want to buy it. And if somebody's going to a site to buy another board anyway, you know, why not pick this one up and install it in their console? So uh, hopefully all of you won't prove me wrong and uh, he'll still be able to sell a few of these. But I think it's great that, uh, you know, that he considered open sourcing and selling something at the same time uh, to really just appease everybody. I've already seen a few spinoffs, uh, forks in the project of the triple bypass that kind of take, uh, you know, take this design, take the triple bypass design into mind when they're designing these things. And it's really cool to see what other people come up with. So thanks very much to Voltar for both open sourcing and giving people the ability to buy this, as well as uh, turning that frown upside down. And instead of uh, having all that wasted time for the SSD S3 uh, go to nothing to have an updated TurboGrafx board. Smoke Monster was a guest on the My Life in Gaming live stream on Sunday, and he was on talking about the Mr. Project and uh, everything else Smoke Monstery. It was cool to see him on there, and a fun stream as always, so if anybody's into any of those people, definitely check it out and enjoy it. The Real Phoenix just posted a 3D print design for a G-Scart Switch wall mount, and the design is up for free on Thingiverse. And when I was writing the article, I realized that the last G-Scart switch mount by Chris um, came out before I started writing articles. So I included both of them in this. Uh, both are free and available on Thingiverse. And the Real Phoenix's design looks like it has brackets that bolt to the wall that you kind of sit the G-Scart switch into. Um, and Chris's design has it so uh, you bolt it in uh, and affix the switch itself to the wall. I think there's needs for both of them, and now we have free choices donated to us by these two awesome people. So thank both of them very much. Um, check out the links and see which might fit your designs or your, your solutions better. Um, I think I'd probably want one of each depending on uh, what my permanent setup's going to be. So it's very cool that there's choices. Thanks very much to both of them. QWERTYMOTO and Felly Dragon have just completed an MSU1 audio patch that takes the Link to the Past soundtrack and puts it through an FM synth chip. So it's a pretty unique perspective on the Link to the Past soundtrack. And as always, I mean, I, I love these things. Some of them I end up just listening to as I play through and then switching back to a different soundtrack or the original. Others I play through the whole game with, but either way, it's just, it's so cool to hear these games and this quality. Um, anybody that's looking to do this for their Link to the Past, the best thing to do is to just um, try to find one pre-patched or use the link on the zeldix.net forum to build your own and then just swap out the music files from that one to this one. Also, on a side note, I found this very awesome A Link to the Past recreation of the title screen. So uh, anybody who's into that kind of artwork, I put the link down below. Um, it's a free desktop background from DeviantArt, and it's Jar3D226 is the creator of it. So, so much, so much awesomeness going around in this one post, but uh, definitely take a look for yourselves if you're interested. 8BitDo just announced a wireless adapter for the Switch that allows you to connect original GameCube controllers 
or any of the Wii Classic controllers, so the ones that would plug into the bottom of the Wii Mote. Um, this one device will connect wirelessly to the Switch. Um, they claim it's a lag-free adapter, but uh, I'm a, you know, a bit skeptical because you first have to convert the controller that you're using to Bluetooth and then send that wirelessly. So we'll see. Um, maybe they magically have figured out a way to do that with zero lag. But uh, either way, you know, this stuff's always interesting and there's always a need for some people for this stuff. Um, and I love choices. So if you're into this... December 7th for around $20, and uh, the Amazon pre-order page is uh, in that same write-up. And I, it went out of stock and back in stock, I guess out of stock again, uh, since I posted this. So I would just check back and see. Mobius Strip Tech has just announced an unofficial adapter that allows you to use the Genesis HD Retrovision cables into a PC Engine Duo. So, uh, you know, I just have to stress right off the bat, this is an unofficial adapter. It's not supported by HD Retrovision. If you build it wrong and break your HD Retrovision cables, they're not covered under warranty. You know, be afraid, kill it with fire, all that scary news to stuff. But if you know what you're doing, this could be a very, very handy adapter to have. Um, I know a few people that want to use all of their consoles in component and really have it set up to use this Genesis HD Retrovision adapter for everything. So uh, all you would really need is a DIN 8 cable, uh, maybe just a short pigtail of that, wired into the board that Mobius has created, and then you just solder a mini DIN 9 connector to that, and he even has a 3D printed case that goes over it. So all of this stuff is available for free for anybody that wants to make it. Just keep in mind that every one of the HD Retrovision mini adapter cables have circuitry in them to match the signal to what their Genesis cables are supposed to accept. So uh, that really is, this really is an expert only solution, not because it's hard to assemble one of these, but because you really need to understand the voltages and the signals that are coming out of whatever RGB mod you have to your PC engine in order for them to match what a Genesis output would be so that the HD Retrovision cables can um, properly process this signal. Uh, so once again, you know, I'm not trying to, tell every, to warn everybody off and tell everybody not to use it, but although it looks like a very simple thing to build, definitely expert only, you know, please know what you're doing with the, the voltage signals. Otherwise, you don't want to damage the HD retrovision cables. But if you do know what you're doing, yeah, this is pretty cool. I like this stuff. Marcus has just released the latest official firmware for the open source scan converter. And this one's a pretty big update. Um, it adds automatic input detection so that when you power it on, it automatically switches to whatever inputs live, which is something that a lot of people didn't think could be done for a while. It adds a Game Boy Interface 360p preset, which is very cool because uh, everybody who listens to this knows I'm a huge fan of the Game Boy Interface software. There's a 512x240 optimized mode and some advanced timing parameter limits were increased. But, in my opinion, the biggest addition of this is the, avail uh, the ability to import profiles and the number of profile slots has been increased to 15. So that means all of the meticulously researched profile timings that Firebrand X has looked into for all of the different consoles can now just be imported um, and named properly. And also, a lot of the arcade crews have figured out exact ways to get boards running through the OSSC where they wouldn't run at all through just the default mode. So in my opinion, depending on how many people jump in for the profile import feature, um, this 
I mean, this is probably the second biggest update, uh, firmware update. I think the first, of course, was the inclusion of the 5X mode, 4 and 5X modes. I think that was, I don't know if that would ever be able to be topped on this set of hardware. But automatic input detections, incredible. And, and like I said, for a while, people didn't think it could be done. And the profile import uh, might not seem like much, but I think that was the one thing that really set the Frame Meister apart towards the end, was that when there started to be... Uh, when people started to notice that the Framemeister had a little lag or maybe the colors weren't as good as the OSSC, to be able to load up Firebrand X's profiles was a huge game changer. You get perfect aspect ratio, you know, everything looks right, and now the ability to do that on the OSSC I think is going to make a huge difference too, especially for streamers or anybody that uh, that captures footage for you know for anything they're doing, like me for the videos that I make. I think this is pretty big, so... Uh, thank you so much to Marcus for continuously putting out updates to this awesome product. Uh, it is definitely my favorite upscaler and one I will continue to use for a long time. So it's a big update and uh, everybody that owns an OSSC should definitely do it. Only other thing to mention, which might be a little confusing for people who haven't updated their firmware before, uh, just a few tips. First, the bin file needs to be flashed to an SD card the same way that you would a Raspberry Pi image. So format the SD card to, um, the smaller the card, the better. I think I have a, a one gig or a two gig in mind. Uh, format at FAT32, use Win32 Disk Imager or whatever your favorite disk imaging software is to flash the bin onto the card and then put the card in the OSSC and boot the uh, firmware update process from there. It's not as easy as just dropping the bin on the card. And there's four versions, one for OSSC with the audio built in, one for the old versions without audio, and then the Japanese menu versions of both as well. So very cool update, and uh, you know there's going to be a lot of very happy open source scan converter owners with this one. In the past few weeks, there's been some cool updates to the NES LCD mod project, which allows you to use patched NES ROMs to use a light gun on a flat screen TV, which is awesome because for a long time people thought that was impossible. Um, while I will be doing a video on it because I really think it's awesome and want to show it off, I figured it would be cool to ha just have a quick run through for anybody who wants to be kept in the loop. So let me just run through this quickly. Uh, first, there are now patches available for Duck Hunt, Wild Gunman, Hogan's Alley, and Freedom Force. So I've heard some work better than others, but that's awesome. Download them and test away. From a hardware perspective, I've had much more luck with the Tomy brand gun than with the original or whatever other knockoff brand I bought. But from what I've heard, it really comes down to one of the components inside. So someone has posted a video and showed how they modified theirs, including the original zapper. So you might be able to still use that should you choose. Um, it's something I'll test for myself soon and see if it really is as easy as replacing one component for compatibility. But with the guns that I've been using, the compatibility is perfect. It's not like it works sometimes and not others. I played Duck Hunt with a friend for like a half hour going back and forth. And, uh, I mean, I was able to get perfectly accurate shots the entire time from eight feet away on a couch. So it's not like you have to sit three feet away from the screen. You really can have a true experience just on a flat screen. Um, also, uh, it's integrated a lag tester. So it's kind of neat where if you download one version, you could shoot at the screen and it shows you how much lag your display has, which isn't quite as accurate as something like the Leo Bodnar tester, which I've been, yes, I really have been 
sticking this to every one of my friends' TV screens. Um, and But it's just a neat thing. Like, why not also enjoy a free lag tester while you're at it? Um, and uh, there is now a versus Duck Hunt patch. And I don't know if people have had time to try it on real hardware yet. Um, I've been too busy, so if anybody has the ability to do so, please, uh, you know, try it and post. Uh, but that is by far my favorite version of Duck Hunt. Like, I think it blows away the NES version. Because, yeah, while I was a kid, it was fun to just casually shoot ducks. To go back and play it now and actually try to play it and have some fun, you got to go through 10 rounds before it even gets challenging. Whereas if you play Versus Duck Hunt, the arcade version of the game, it gets challenging at, like, the second level. And, of course, you get to shoot the dog, which is amazing. That little bastard has been laughing at me since I was a kid, and it just felt great to put one right between his eyes. He doesn't actually die. He limps back and gets mad at you. But whatever. I like 8-bit violence. I don't like real violence. Fuck that dog. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if you, uh, if you have the ability to, please test that patch. Um, and the only other thing is I, I think somebody said it might only work with the Zapper in port 1, which it really should be in port 2, so maybe check that out as well. And if anybody has the ability to patch the ROM, maybe throw that in for all of us. But, yeah, it's, uh, I really think this project's incredible. Uh, I hope that this is something that could get expanded to every NES Zapper game, um, even some of the Versus ones, and who, who knows, maybe even other consoles, because I just... A lot of people don't agree, but I think light gun games, or most of them at least, are so much fun. And while they're not games that you would sit and play for hours, they're definitely fun party games or stuff that you might just want to kill some time and, you know, just shoot some 8-bit characters. So, uh, anybody interested, please check it out and post some feedback if you try the Versus patch. I received Evan Amos's book, The Game Console, on release day, and I was blown away. Um, I expected it to be cool. I mean, I'd been following Evan's work since I realized that I was accidentally stealing all of his pictures from my website. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's a good guy. I'm glad I got to know him. I would have been happy to support him anyway, even if it was just a book of all of his work. But it's so much more than that. There's so many awesome breakdown shots like this that kind of show the console expanded. Um, you know, even controllers and add-ons and things like that. Uh, you know, stuff like the... Even the obscure ones like the Jaguar CD. And thrown in uh, uh, into the book in different sections are also full-page PCB scans like this that kind of show, uh, you know, examples of different motherboards. I mean, I was really blown away. Even small things like the texture of this. This is kind of uh, feels a little rough, and uh, these would feel smooth. Exactly like the texture of a NES console, or a NES um, controller. So honestly, this is a video game hardware nerd's wet dream come true. This is my coffee table book to end all coffee table books. I will be shoving this in the face of all of my nerd friends that come over to check it out. Um, and, you know, like I've said a million times already, this is not because I'm just a fan of Evans. This really is killer. And you can get it for $16 on Amazon now. So um, it was... 25 so you might as well grab it for sale while you can because this thing is killer if you're a hardware nerd you're going to love it and uh, i'm just uh, very happy for evan because like i said i've been accidentally stealing his picks and following his work since my site even began and I'm, i really hope this is a, a good selling thing for him because he certainly deserves it well that's about it for this week 
I still have a few more posts to catch up on. Uh, if you think I forgot something awesome, please post down below and I'll look into it. There's three or four things that are currently queued up um, that I'm working on, but I just want to do a little bit more research and checking up because I actually do look into everything that I post. I don't just word vomit into a blog and then talk about it the next week. And also, Eon teased an announcement with Citrus 3000 PSI, Dan. So that should be out tomorrow, November 15th. Uh, I'm interested to see what it is. I could kind of guess because just based on who's teaming up with each other, but let's uh, let's all guess together and see if we can figure out what it is, what the price is, what the features are, and I hope it's awesome. I mean, if it's coming from Dan, it's probably going to be pretty damn good, so we'll see, but uh, I'm interested to check it out, and uh, I guess that'll definitely be something I talk about next week. So I'll see you guys next time.